Testament scripture lesson today comes from Luke 12, verses 49 to 56. It says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret this present time? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. At this point, I'd like to invite Corey Miller, who will share a little bit about our mission moment and share the message with us today. I'll let him do the rest of his introduction. Thanks, Luke. How about... Uh, Pastor Josh, like, giving me a hard teaching of Jesus, and then, you know, not showing up and having me transition. Oh, uh, man, what a practical jokester, right? It's amazing. Um, no, what's great about that, actually, uh, is that that's a reality for a lot of students. So um, I'm going to share kind of our ministry and vision for ministry, and we're also going to share a couple of stories um, of why uh, it is I that's in front of you and how I'm connected to Zion and those kind of things. Um, but the scripture, um, maybe I'll get back to a little later, uh, that's a reality for a lot of students who come to Christ in college and come home to unbelieving families, um, but also the reality of what's going on in their dorms and in their classrooms um, is experiencing division. Um, it, honestly, in a world right now that doesn't like division at all, it uh, doesn't like uh, differing opinions and stuff. So, um, so it is kind of related, but man, I'm going to like get on him about that. Um, so my name's Corey Miller. Um, so my wife and I are, are they, we out there? Yeah. So Cookie uh, is my wife, and we are missionaries with Campus Crusade for Christ, um, short crew, which is a missions organization that wants to reach college students and send them out um, with purpose and hope into their future. Um, we do have, t we have two kids, so we haven't gotten nice pictures done since we have an 11-month-old uh, first year, kind of, you know, it, we're, we're surviving. Um, so Wildern is our, he's now four, that picture's a little outdated, and then we have Marzena, who is 11 years, or 11 months old. Um, so that's the family. So, okay, so let's, I would like to share how I'm connected to Zion. I'll share some stories, um, and then we'll go back to the ministry. Uh, how are we doing? Are we good? Okay. Cool. So um, I haven't really participated in a Zion worship service uh, for a while, but I grew up here. This was my this was my childhood church while I was very young. So um, when one of my, so my parents are Sue Miller and Keith Miller. I don't know if you guys know them. They usually attend 8:30. Um, so when I was young, my mom was a Sunday school teacher, and while she was preparing her classroom and the children's choir was practicing, which I was supposed to be at. Um, instead, I was an action hero buff, I loved action movies, and I was rolling around in this bottom floor of the church, pretending to be James Bond and taking care of all of the imaginary bad guys you guys had in this church. So uh, I would like the honorary title of, of Zion's first um, security guard, if that'd be okay. I would, I would like that. 
Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This is, you know, someone's got to do it. Um, but that was me. So uh, when I was a kid, I was here. But there were some more significant things that happened for me here. Um, there were two seeds that were planted within me as I was growing up and forming a worldview that were very important later in life. Unfortunately, they were taken for granted for a good season. Um, so the first seed was just from being a part of the ministries and a part of, uh, I'm seeing familiar faces. This is so wild. Um, <laughs> So uh, being a part of the kids' ministries and hearing sermons and stuff was that God existed, that he was the creator of all things, and that all, of, all created things owed their existence to God. Um, so that was just, that was in there. It was like an assumption that I carried around because of what was, how I was impacted here. Second thing was God's, um, his posture towards humanity was that of love and forgiveness. It's another thing that just kind of, it just got in there as a kid. Uh, so I grew up with those as basic assumptions about reality and about the world. And um, I went on uh, to need those a lot later because uh, the, the, the fruit didn't come right away, unfortunately. So, um, so I'll get back there. I'm going to share how that, see when the fruit came and, and how that was really helpful for me. Uh, a little bit about Campus Crusade for Christ, kind of back to what Cookie and I are doing. So we're going to be missionaries on college campuses. Um, and, and the the goal for crew is to launch a student-led ministry across the campus where students are one to Christ, so they hear the gospel and their hearts are connected to Jesus uh, in personal relationship. And then they're supported by staff members to become student leaders uh, in student ministry. So as they grow in their faith and they learn how to read the scriptures and learn how to pray and learn how to follow Jesus on a daily basis, then the staff can stand back and support student leaders who are now doing ministry to their own classmates. Um, because who knows that an 18-year-old would rather listen to an 18-year-old than a 32-year-old, right? It's just, it's true. And that's for every people group, that you just hear the gospel better from who you are. Um, and, and it mirrored out in front of you. So then once the students are growing in their faith and starting to do ministry on campus, we help them get a vision for the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because they're going to launch one day from college into a career, into neighborhoods. Um, some might be full-time ministry, but most will probably be a career that's secular. And we want them to see their part in this commission that Jesus gives us, go into all the world. And we believe the Great Commission is as deep as it is wide, that God wants to reach the ends of the earth. But as you were, Luke, you were sharing and motivating he also wants to reach our neighborhoods. So it thoroughly looks like Jesus' kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our towns, cities, and our nation, and the nations. So when students aren't becoming missionaries in Kuwait, but they're becoming businessmen in York or in Tampa, where we'll be, they, we want to see them so radically and thoroughly changed by Jesus that their workplaces, the way they conduct business, the way they conduct themselves in their neighborhoods, that you start to see the kingdom of heaven through their lives. And the cool thing about this is students will, uh, being supported by staff and student leaders, they'll get real-life experience doing ministry um, with support for possibly four years. So you're getting an early adult launching into adulthood that has ministry experience. And what that means is them as a member of a church or within their neighborhood, starting a small group or a Bible study is not foreign to them. They don't need trained. They've done it for three years, two years, right? Sharing the gospel with their coworker, not foreign. They've been doing that in their dorms for two years. They know how to share their story and how Jesus impacted them. So that's the vision. That's the, the amazing work that we're doing. And students are coming to Christ 
in college, and they're, they're living drastically for him, which is exciting. So let's get back to how Jesus changed my life, and then I want to share um, a story about Anna, who was a, who, a freshman last year. She's a current student experiencing the Benefits Crew. So um, when I was a sophomore, junior in high school, um, I was living a super self-centered life. Uh, I would, like, my parents probably didn't know how bad I was kind of thing. Like, I was good on the outside, but just stuff was going wrong inside. And um, here, let me tell you, so as a 15, 16-year-old, my compass for life is uh, I want satisfaction and I want something significant. So I'll just do the next thing that feels good. I mean, just imagine a 15-year-old being guided by doing the next thing that feels good. Like, that's, not, that's a, not a good trajectory. And that's what was going on. So I was getting into partying. This next dating relationship was going to fulfill me and complete me. Um, you know, some, being, the best of an at, being the best athlete, was, it was going to do it for me. And nothing was working, so my soul was, like, hungry. Nothing was working. Nothing was significant enough. Nothing was good enough. And things were escalating. Um, so some things were going on in my life at this time that kind of brought God back to the stage and started making me curious, like maybe I didn't get the whole God thing. Uh, maybe it's not just this vague understanding that God's out there and that he's loving and compassionate. Maybe there's something more to that. So I started to kind of dive in a little bit. I would grab, my mom had this red Bible that would sit in our kitchen, um, and I'd grab that and I'd take it up at nighttime because this was like my MO, like I'm doing my own thing. Like, my sister was kind of lively in her faith, but I'm like, you, you don't get a part in this. Like, I'm just going to do my thing. So I would take it in my bedroom at nighttime, and I just started reading the Gospel of Matthew. And the first thing is Jesus was, like, the most compelling human being I had ever, like, read about. I'm reading him, and I kind of assumed him to be passive and very kind and just gentle and meek and mild. And I'm reading Matthew, and it's like, oh, man, this guy was like, he stirred the boat. And it intrigued me. I'm like, I like it, right? So I'm reading his words, and he is just becoming the most fascinating person to me. So I'm reading the story from that, getting sucked into who he is as a person, and then reading his teachings. I'm like, man, he is wise. I can't live this way. This is crazy. And then you get, right after the Sermon on the Mount, you get into him performing all these miracles and basically making everybody's day. I'm like, man, Jesus is the coolest guy I've ever met. This is amazing. Um, so I'm expecting myself to be like a part of the disciples. Like, man, I'm, I'm on the ink crowd, and he's going to make my day. This is great. Like, I'm figuring out significance. And then I get to the harder teachings of Jesus. <laughs> I get to the parable of the talents, and it, it totally ropes me in. So let me journey, journey you through that experience. Uh, you've got one servant, or one master, three servants, and he gives deposits to each uh, servant, and the servants respond um, with that deposit on different levels. So you've got two servants who just knock it out of the park. They, they, inv- um, they multiply basically what they were given, and they give it back to the master. And the master's thrilled. He's like, well, well done, good and faithful servant. And he gives them back his deposit and what they made. I'm like, this master is super generous. So it's going along with this theme. Jesus is going to make my day. Like, this is the best. Thing. I found the best thing in the world. And then I get to the third servant, and the third servant says, look, I knew you to be like a hard man. So I buried what you gave me in the ground. I hid it, protected it. Uh, And here it is. We'll dig it up. You can have it right back the way you had it. And the master goes, "Uh, you wicked and lazy servant. Something something about what this servant did was evil. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. Give what you have to the man who has much and go out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And like all of a sudden, things got real, like serious. Jesus isn't like just buddy-buddy now, like, whoa. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, and as a 17-year-old trying to interpret the Bible, I'm like, shoot, I'm that third, I'm that third dude. Like, I've buried my life. I'm wasting it. I'm, like, my whole pursuits and everything I'm living for is, like, racing through my mind, and I'm like, man, I'm wicked. I'm, I'm that dude. I'm, I'm wasting this life that's been given to me. So those are those two seeds now coming back to the surface. So everything that exists owes its existence to God. That was an assumption of my worldview, and all of a sudden I'm seeing that I've, I've wasted it and I'm held accountable. And the second seed that was probably more profound in this experience is that God is loving towards humanity and forgiving. So in this moment of fear and dread, my knee-jerk response was just to turn to him. It wasn't to justify or fight, or it was just, oh man, I need forgiveness, and I just ran into him. So in my bedroom as a 17-year-old, I'm having this profound moment of conviction and just, God, help me. And then that's what I experienced, this profound experience of God's forgiveness just washing over me, his compassion and his love becoming very, very real. And it's like, now I know what significance is. I was, my eyes were open. This is, this is how I get satisfied, by giving my life to the one who made it. So that was 17-year-old Corey. Uh, and of course, 15 years and being 17, like there's, there's a process, but there's a, there was a moment in time and then a trajectory where I just, like, I'm going to get satisfied when I give my life over and when I follow him. Um, and that's what significance is. So my wife and I um, were dating senior year in high school. That was a, a relationship that was going to be messy and toxic and awful, and thank God for what he did for both of us. We dated through college, and we're planning to get married. And it's like, how do we play a part of this story, the Great Commission? So um, it was a wild road until we landed with crew, uh, and that's it. We want to we offer the same experience for students who are looking for hope and purpose. Um, that's the focus of their life for four years. And, uh, and point them in the right direction. So can I transition to Anna? How we doing? Okay, good. Um, so Anna, freshman year. Uh, so similar to mine, she grew up exposed to church, grew up around church, and uh, she had some seeds planted in her. One was that God um, existed and that he saw everything. There's nothing that escaped his eyes. And the second thing uh, was that he was the supreme authority over all things. But being kind of disenchanted from church, uh, she went into college and um, said, you know what, I'm leaving the church thing behind. I'm going to figure out a different way for myself. And I uh, found some friends. Turns out her friends were involved with uh, the occult and witchcraft. And I don't know, that probably lands differently for everybody in the room. Some people might think, like, that's just Hollywood and movies, like, you know, that kind of thing. And then other people might be like, yeah, no, I know that that's real and dark. All you really need to know is that there are people who practice it for a religion, and it is dark. It's just dark. Um, so Anna, her, first, her freshman year in college, is getting sucked into experiences that are literally traumatizing. She's, ex she's experiencing trauma, and her inner world is getting super, super dark and hopeless. And, um, and it's not fulfilling her. It's not doing the things she wanted it to do. Um, and instead of power, it was giving her a ton of just weakness. It was weakening who she was and her ability to face the day. Uh, so during an outreach from crew, one of our teammates, Jennifer, gets connected with Anna. They go to coffee, um, and she basically invites her, like, hey, you want to talk about spiritual things? 
So they get to coffee with each other, and uh, the weeks go by, and they're really, she's starting to open up, and she's sharing her background and what she has gotten into a little bit, kind of testing the waters. And eventually, um, in one of these coffee meetings, she breaks out with Jennifer, like what's been on her mind. She says, I just don't know how a God who sees everything could ever forgive me for the year I've just lived. Hopeless. Living with complete, utter hopelessness. And, you know, this is a campus missionary's dream, to get, like, lobbed this softball, like, tell me the gospel question. So she says, let me, can I share with you the good news that Jesus came with, the, the good news of the kingdom? And she walks her through stories and parts of scripture, and the thing that landed on her was uh, in Romans, where it says, this is how God displayed his love towards us. While yet we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that last, the ungodly, Anna was like, that's me. I'm utterly ungodly. But it started to dawn on her, you know, in this coffee shop, that, man, like God, the Father, God who sees everything, initiated the plan for my rescue while I'm still ungodly, before I had a chance to even think about pursuing godliness. And that just opened the doors wide open for her. She's like, the, the barrier that kept her from coming back was now just blown up. And she, so in that coffee shop, I want to follow Jesus. Like, I want to do this. So Anna says, that's awesome. We've got a community of girls that meet and study the Bible. I can hook you up with them. So she gets involved in a Bible study. She has started going to Christian counseling and is starting to work through the trauma that she's experienced over the last year. She's going into her sophomore year as a believing follower of Jesus, seeking how do I figure, or how do I live this life out? for his purposes, for his glory, and connected to him and his love. Which, man, this is, like I'm telling you, this is what we live for. This is it, right? This is like the thing we look for um, for students, is that they would waken up to the reality of God loving them and pursuing them and having hope and purpose for them. And for Cookie and I, Anna's story out of the hundreds um, are, is, is very significant because we both care deeply about how God wants to transform us from the inside. And, you know, there's a lot of things we can start doing to, like, look like Christians and, like, start being church people and stuff uh, on the outside. Um, but not all of that, you know, in, indicates the inside. And Cookie and I want to create environments where students are known for who they are and where they're at um, in reality, uh, but also um, be the truth of the gospel to begin to transform that inside and make you a new type of human. I mean, that's what Jesus came to offer is, I will, I will make you born again. I will give you a, a new type of humanity to live into. Um, so Anna's story is significant to us because uh, I've worked. So I started out wanting to be a chef. Jesus turned some things around. I started cooking at a rescue mission. And I spent some time with uh, people in addiction and creating spaces of grace where people can be known and no one's going to run or try to fix right away is very, very important for that group. So I learned a lot of skills, and Cookie and I have learned a lot of skills for that type of, creating those types of environment, but then also with the truth being present. So it's not a free-for-all, like you can be whatever you want to be, but like be exposed and then let the truth of God redeem you and transform you to be who you were created to be in the first place. Um, so uh, for someone like Anna, we want, we want our home um, and using my cooking skills to create hospitality where students can come in and experience that type of community and then get connected to Jesus and start to grow in the life that he has for them. So 
Um, we'll move on from there. I want to share about how you can partner with our ministry and kind of our needs, um, and then also like the grand vision of, or I guess maybe the grand, what, how, why I value students in this big story God's cr- creating. It's taking the gospel to the nations. Why students? So students go to school trying to solve two problems. I want to know who I am, and I want to know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. There's a lot of answers out there for those two questions. And a lot of them are quite destructive and will lead to futility or frustration. Uh, but Jesus really desires to answer those questions for all of us. But you've got, uh, across the nation, 4 million. In Tampa Bay, 200,000 students like, working over those two questions every day of their life. You know, that's their labor. Uh, so Jesus, just, it's just been phenomenal to watch what God is doing with students because of their availability to those answers. The other thing is they're incredibly flexible. So when a student decides to make life changes, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, I want to go to school to be a doctor. No, I'm going to be a lawyer. No, I'm going to be a psychologist, right? Like, they, make, they pivot well, right? So when, when Jesus says, I have a different plan for your life, there's not much rooting them, and they can be like, okay, yeah, let's do this thing. And they do expect, experience some conflict with changing values, but it's not nearly as much as a grown adult would or someone who's established in life. So it's this great uh, group of people who historically have taken the Gospels on missionary movements uh, like crazy throughout the history of the church. So our passion is, man, these students are asking the right questions where uh, my wife and I can foster communities where they can heal and grow into who they are, but they're also a catalyst for the gospel to move and for it to go uh, and, and tru- truly see transformation happen in our nation and the nations abroad. Um, so that's, that's crew, and that's students. So I'll talk to you about partnerships. So when I connected with Josh, we, we connected kind of over my shared history in this, uh, in this building and the church. And... Um, he, he was super excited about our ministry. Josh is uh, very mission-minded, which is very neat to have in a pastor. You're very lucky um, for him to have that focus. And um, so we're connecting, and he says, look, my people, uh, they know missions, um, and they know, um, like, uh, I'm sorry, they know missions, um, they're generous, and uh, sorry, he said one other thing about you, and I wanted to compliment you, and I can't remember. Um, but you're passionate, you're generous, and you know missions. And um, so anyway, uh, he said, I want you to come and I want you to share about partnership and invite them to come alongside what you're doing. So what an honor to hear a pastor invite you to do that. So here's what we're doing. Uh, we are full-time campus missionaries. So with, as missionaries with crew, we are um, responsible for raising our entire support. So that is our own salaries, but also the ministry budget. Um, so we do that through personal partnerships. Right now we have 250 partners. Uh, coming alongside us. We're kind of in this launching season. It's very exciting. Um, in fact, this last few months have been just increasingly um, uh, quick and, and momentous, and we're, uh, our goal that we've been kind of praying over is for this fall, and we we're just seeing God do phenomenal things in mobilizing us. Um, so I'm going to tell you the big reason for the fall, and then I'm going to share specifics about partnership and invite you, and then we'll close. Um, so the fall crew at USF, one of the campuses we'll be a part of. I see some USF, yeah, okay. So, uh, sorry for everyone else, but we had a moment. Um, (laughs) So at USF, there's, uh, during the week of welcome, the orientation, crew gets to be a part of this big party that they uh, throw after 
this like balloon drop all new students event. So they're going to be a part of or in front of thousands of new students. And for all of those students, they have it set up so that they can survey them with a quick like, hey, do you want to have a conversation about spiritual things? The same thing that connected uh, Jennifer to Anna. And if they click yes and give us some information to connect them, we're in, in a series or a, a period of three days, we are going to try to meet with everybody one-on-one uh, -on -one, face to face and say, man, what do you want to talk about God and be able to share the gospel with them? And then also connect them to a, um, a student ministry. So imagine a fraction of 3,000 students saying yes to that conversation, and then a fraction of that saying yes to Jesus, I want to get plugged into a Christian community. You've got hundreds of students who are starting their college career different than they, they may have. Um, so we want to be down there for that event. We're going to be down there at least for a short-term trip. Uh, but we have been, been feeling God, even before knowing about this event, him saying there is urgency and need. We need the fall. So we've been praying into that. Um, and now we've got some stuff going on on our team where some people are moving to different campuses and stuff. So there is just a great need this fall for this influx of students to have laborers. So it's one of those, the, the harvest is full. Uh, we need laborers. So we're, we want to be... Um, sent this fall. So anyway, we're close. We're at launching season. Uh, we have $2,900 of a monthly support, um, ongoing support to come in um, and, and to be partnered with us. Um, so that's where I'm at uh, in front of you guys. I want to ask you, would you partner with what God's doing through our ministry? And of course, the whole room can't say yes at once. But if, you, in your, if you're in your chair and you're saying yes, or you're saying, maybe, I just need some more information, though. Um, either of those questions, I want to connect with you. Like, let's talk. Um, I have a way of getting your contact information and start sending you newsletters and updates about our ministry. Um, but also, I just want to know where you're at, what you're about, and, and get connected to you. Uh, so let me share a couple different ways of partnering, and all of these are on the table for connecting. So um, financial, the ongoing support that I mentioned. Um, but there's also, we have a whole team of people who are just praying for us. They've uh, determined to be very uh, intentional, watching our updates and praying very specifically for us. So there are people, partners, who just pray for us. And then we have partners who connect us with other potential partners. They say, man, I know someone who's really uh, uh, like loves what you're doing. I'd love to connect you. And for that, you have no idea how valuable that is as well. So those are kind of three ways you can join up with what God's doing um, through our ministry. And I'd love to meet you afterwards. Um, and that is about all I have to share about our ministry, and our vision. And I want to just thank you um, for giving me your ear and your attention. And it's so fun to see people that I recognize and also be back um, at a place that did some significant things for me at, uh, as a young age. So um, I'm going to pray to close us, but just thank you. Thank you for your time and your attention. Um, it's exciting for me to pray for you guys because I've been connecting with uh, Josh, and you guys are so missions-focused for York and the nations, and our nation, and I just love that. So to be able to bless what's happening is a huge honor. So let me do that, and then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Father, I thank you uh, for your grace and for your love. Thank you for the way you are working. You are just radical in the way you invade our lives and reorient our lives so that we live for you and experience significance and satisfaction in you. And you are so faithful in preserving us when hardship comes and when there's obstacles to serving you, uh, as we learned in, in your scripture. Um, so I just pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit on this community, that you would flood out on these people and that you would clothe them in your power as they go out to do your will.
Pray that you would give insight and strategy and, um, and just motivation to take new steps into your kingdom work, whether it's in York, at workplaces, within these, this, the church walls, or in neighborhoods. I pray that you would give um, vision and strategy of how to move forward. I pray that you would clothe them with power, that their work would have a God-sized impact and not a man-sized impact. I pray that you would just move in the York area. We know it desperately needs hope and salvation. Um, so we, we just uh, we call to you for that. You're the only one who provides us salvation. I pray for you to empower this community to bring it um, to this area. And we uh, just pray uh, the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's no temptation. Deliver us from evil. The kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.